welcome back to Whiteout Weekly on a seventh glorious victory week as Penn State closes out the Indiana Hoosiers to improve to seven and one on the season. The first college football playoff poll came out. We are ranked number 11. Surprise, Dave, to see Ohio State is number one. So kind of a moral victory, but um, enough of those. Let's get some real ones, as we did against Tom Allen and his pretty feisty Indiana squad. was not expecting that type of fight against that type of team. I want to start off hearing your thoughts on Kevin Winston Jr. getting the start at safety and Dante Cephas actually getting the start at wideout. Yeah, I think, well, obviously, there was no, nothing really pretty about that game other than finally seeing Drew Aller and, Kale, uh, and Andre Lambert-Smith connect on that deep ball. That was probably the lone bright spot of that game. Along that was with the, yeah, the cool spot. Funny, almost defensive touchdown to end the game that resulted in a safety. But Bang, bang, boom. What the <laughs> hell just happened out there? <laughs> but uh, you'll take the win. And definitely got to see some improvement this week. But as to your question about the safety, so Kevin Winston Jr. or KJ Winston and Jalen Reed really seem to be solidified as the starting safeties, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting because he got Keaton Ellis, defensive captain, mm-hmm. came back for a fifth season and still get some reps on the defensive side of the ball. But like I said, KJ and Jalen Reed really yeah. seem to have solidified themselves in that starting role. And they've been producing. So good to see there. And then as for Cephas, he started to come on late. Again, still only 11 catches on the year. So haven't quite seen the production that we were expecting uh, in the the boom impact that you were hoping to get from the transfer portal, like we mentioned, that we were looking for, like we got from Mitchell Tinsley last year. But hoping that these last few games that kind of close out the season head into bowl season, you really start to or continue to see more from Cephas and see that Aller Cephas connection continue to fortify. But other than Keandre Lambert Smith, still waiting on that second guy to really step up. And aside from even just the wide receiver position, this offense in general, man, is just pretty blah. And it's not like it's been extremely exorbitant the last few years. We really, this offense really hasn't had pop since the the Big Ten Championship run with Jim Moorhead. We've seen spurts ah, where we've the seen average, production. The average over 30 a game for quite a while. It's true. But I guess it's more so this year as a sample size where we're not seeing the explosive plays. I know it's been the top of the yeah. conversation. The, 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 yeah. It's just yeah. frustrating when this game comes to the conclusion and then you keep it on CBS. You got the, the SEC game coming on and you're just seeing Tennessee and Kentucky or Alabama just getting chunk play after chunk play. And that's something that as a fan base and anyone who's watching Penn State football this season has just been yearning for. Yeah. And I guess for me, that's the most frustrating part, knowing that you have a five-star quarterback who you know has the arm talent. And it's trying to gauge is, are the receivers truly not getting separation or, or is the play calling truly putting this much of a, a leash or a muzzle on Aller and letting him unleash it? So that's the frustrating part. Uh, so hoping to see 
some improvement this week before he got another big matchup against Michigan. Got two points off of that. So, like you said, our offense has been blah. All of our first half points against Indiana came off of turnovers, that muff punt, that Soresby interception where he threw it cross-body to Chan Reed, and then their turnover on downs all led to our 17 points in the first half. So my big thing, after the muff punt, even the announcer said it. This is just like football one-on-one. He goes, this is when you take your shot right here after a big turnover, and we run for a loss. It's like, guys, run like run a more bland high school JV playbook. Like, please try yeah. to. Like the T formation, that's great and all, but like it's it's just so bland. And the fact that we had to get points off of turnovers is against Indiana, not a good sign. And you mentioned Aller's arm. Dude, his deep ball a little questionable. Like, I know there's no Aller slander, obviously, in the Penn State community, but I'm going to give a little bit here. There's one pass to Cephas, didn't get a great release, didn't have great separation, but also Aller put no air under the ball. So Cephas couldn't really get, you know, a look at it, get underneath it, and go run and get it, Um, which is, you know, essentially what happened with Indiana's I think it was 90-yard touchdown pass, which was the longest since 93. That was burned into my memory from the broadcast. Um, But just some of his deep balls and uh, jump balls just are not impressing me as they should with a type of talent like Drew Aller. And I hate to say that. I hate to say that, but that's what I saw. Yeah, he definitely needs to be better. The 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 other piece that's frustrating and that is something that I definitely didn't see coming. I know a lot of folks didn't see coming is the the struggles from the running game. Katron Allen continues to be the the bell cow, but the fact that him and Singleton haven't been able to have those pop runs like we saw last year, and the fact that neither of those guys have gone for over 100 yards in a game yet this season, not saying that that's the end-all be-all, but just they're struggling to get four yards of carry. It's and again, these matchups against, you talk about Northwestern, you talk about Indiana. Yeah. And you look at, I know we'll go around the trenches, but the Ohio State game, Trevion Henderson comes back and, go, and goes for 124. The guy's yeah. been out for three or four weeks and pops a 100-yard gain, and we're saying that the guys that we have that have been touted as the best running back tandem in the country can barely get four yards of carry is extremely concerning. And I know a lot of it has to do with the play of the interior interior offensive line injuries too, injuries and really just the unit in general. But the fact that we've seen this type of regression definitely has an impact on Aller and his ability to really air it out. Yes. He has to be more consistent and accurate with those deep balls, but Nothing's really being opened up because the running game's not there. Those Tangwall and Norzad injuries are really starting to mm-hmm. rear, rear their head in an ugly way because, yeah, the interior is not looking too great. Um, yeah. Some injuries during that game. Trey Wallace, you know, wide receiver two, always looking for it. 
who is in a sling. Does not look good for him. For a tackle, Caden Wallace came out of the game after only 12 snaps. Drew Shelton came in. We love him on this show, but he did give up a team high four quarterback pressures. We know he's better than that, so he's only going to come back better, I think, against Maryland. One more thing. Third downs. Penn State, we said it last against um, Ohio State. Third downs, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. We started two of eight on third down. We had one fourth down brotherly shove before the end of the first half. Long touchdown drive, which tied it up 14-14. Sorsby throws that interception 17-14. So our third down conversions, we need to turn that around. Mm-hmm. And I think that starts in the trenches, getting getting above the yard mark, getting it to sh- third and short, and then pounding the rock with arguably the best running back duo in the nation. Mm-hmm. Speaking of pounding the rock, let's go around the Big Ten a.k.a. around the trenches. Trenches on three! One, two, three! Trenches! Woo! Got regular gas! We run diesel premium only! Voice crack on the snap. Personal foul. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. We played it there. It was only a Five game slate. So we had a lot of crossover in our Big Ten bed Gadanza with Illinois, Iowa, Rutgers, Michigan on bye weeks. Only two interdivisional matchups, Penn State, Indiana being one of them, and the other in the Wild Wild West, Purdue and Nebraska, which is where we will start. Dave, I believe. Two weeks ago, you said Nebraska was going to spiral out of control. I did. Not today. (laughs) They were going to go on a tour of the Big West starting out in Lincoln and Matt Rule and the Cornhuskers. Cornhuskers, excuse me. Not spiraling yet. 31-14 win. Now one win from bowl eligibility. Their first this is crazy. First three in winning streak for Nebraska since 2016. Defensive lineman Ty Robinson, after the game locker room, said, We're all buying in to Matt Rule. So is that Nebraska game, back? Oh, Nebraska's <laughs> back. In my mind, they are way back. <laughs> all the way back for, for this season, for covering purposes. <laughs> Not back in terms of a contender. <laughs> in terms of the game, it was a cold, frosty, mid-30 temperature tundra at Memorial or Lincoln Stadium, which is exactly how the Cornhuskers' defense likes it. They held Purdue's offense to 196 total yards, only 99 passing yards, which is the fewest yards through the air for Purdue since 2016. So you're noticing a trend here. 2016. 2016, three-game winning streak. 
to the Cornhuskers party in like of 2016. <laughs> and that's even with Nebraska's quarterback, Harburg, losing two fumbles within their own 25-yard line. And as a team, they lost four of five fumbles in that frozen tundra. Probably wish they had Bill or uh, Tom Brady's ball boy to kind of deflate those balls, make them easier to grip. Just kidding. Not really. But, <laughs> but shout out to freshman running back. I shouted him out last week, Emmett Johnson. He now has two straight games with over 70 rushing yards. Illinois is a team to look out for in the future. I think the next couple of years, or excuse me, Nebraska um, is a team to look out for in the next couple of years. They're now five and three overall, three and two in conference, and in a three-way tie in that wild, wild west uh, for the finale, actually, of the Big Ten wild, wild west. So they're tied with Iowa, who is off with the bye, and Minnesota, who we'll talk about right now, Davey. They played Michigan State, correct? Yes, Minnesota de-shielded the mighty Sparty, who they are spiraling out of control. Obviously, they had a, some unprecedented circumstances going on. But uh, they continue to have a downward spiral season as they're now two and six. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, though, like you mentioned, right there at the top with the wide open Big Ten West. Over under on this game was 39 and a half. Vegas, man. Vegas, baby. They get it. Game finished with a t- final total of 39. It's getting to that point where they get everyone loses their money by this time of the season. Yeah, this is where Vegas has their data. They have all their numbers. They're so sharp with those numbers that by Thanksgiving, they're hoping that everyone's bankrolls zero. So be very careful with your bets. They cut right into those wallets just in time for some holiday gift expenditures. Take underdogs. That's that's all I'm saying. Bet at your own risk. But in this one, it was the Jordan Newbin show who was filling in for – so Minnesota had two injuries in their in their backfield room. Darius Taylor, the senior, and freshman Zach Evans, both injured last week in that wonderful Iowa game that also hit the under. Is Nubin a, a freshman as well, or is he a – Nubin is a – I believe he's a freshman or a sophomore. Interesting story here. He's a converted safety Ooh. who was a safety last year on that Minnesota team now in the running back room, seven carries 25 yards through the first seven games of the season. Matt, he had 40 carries in this one, what? 204 yards, what? 40 carries by himself touchdowns, 40 carries. <laughs> it was quite literally the Josh Newbin show. I, so the 40 carries I already love, but I also, I mean, I just love converted Players, players that converge yes. from different positions. For some reason, I just root all out for them. But the fact <laughs> yeah. that he had 40 carries, are you kidding me? Yeah. He's, yeah, this I know he's this, in the Big Ten, but he's a top five dog right now for me. Not just the Big Ten, Big Ten West. Yeah. Oh, he's top three Big Ten West. Top three. Dog. 
But uh, this was a close matchup through half number one. It was 10-6, I believe, at halftime. Uh, Spartans had a couple of opportunities where they had two drives starting in Minnesota territory, actually inside the 35, and both of those ended up in field goals. Yeah, so we weren't able to capitalize. And in the second half, and quite frankly, the fourth quarter, Minnesota literally ran away with this one where they had a nine-play drive early in the fourth where eight of those nine plays were carries by Newbin, which he capped off that drive with an 18-yard run. And then late in the fourth, a seven-play drive, which Newbin toted the rock six times, and had his second touchdown of the game to ice it. It was a two-yard touchdown run. Uh, for the Spartans, a little bit of QB controversy. Not a lot going on to spark controversy, more of, hey, we're just not getting the production that we have, but true freshman Sam leave it or levitt uh replaced also freshman qb Caton hauser in the fourth quarter after hauser was 12 of 22 for a measly 117 yards and like you mentioned minnesota now part of a it's i think it's actually a four-way tie as wisconsin's always also buried in that mix at three and two but minnesota holds the tiebreaker at least over Iowa, because they had that win over yeah. Iowa. I'm not sure how yeah. everything else transpired. But yeah, it's a four-way tie. Wow. At the top of the swamp. Would never have guessed that. Um, on Hauser, I was watching whenever I bet on the Sparty money line. They were like, and this guy, they're really going to put a lot into this guy. This guy's their future. Blah, blah, blah. Next game, out. <laughs> like, so fast. <laughs> It's like what the all right, whatever. Um let's move on to the game of the week. Ohio State, Wisconsin. Davey, all you. Yeah, primetime matchup, NBC in Madison. This game had a lot of hype around it. You no, know, Wisconsin hasn't quite had the season that they were hoping for. I know they're tied for, like we mentioned, top of the Big Ten West, but lost a couple, QB lost a QB, yeah. lost Mordecai with the broken hand, and uh this was a tight matchup early in the game. Uh, I believe it was 10-10, close, close around halftime. Uh, as we mentioned, Travion Henderson returned to this matchup after missing the last three games. Hasn't seen action since that Notre Dame game, and he popped off. Uh, 24 carries, which considering his first game back, you know, they felt he was good to go, and they, they gave him the ball. So that's fun for your first time back. They're just like, all right, let's <laughs> see what happens to you. You're good to go. Uh, 162 yards in this one, plus a touchdown. Uh, caught four passes as well for 45 yards. Him and he's a game Maserati Marv. No, I don't. <laughs> four straight game over 100 receiving yards. Uh, and six of the, uh, six of the season in eight games. Uh, again, he's been banged up all year, but continues to produce uh, some running back injury notes here for Ohio, well, really for both teams. Uh, Brian Williams, it was announced, uh, is out for the season. Ooh. Uh, he had season-ending surgery, uh, so they better hope that Travion's good to go yeah. uh, for the remainder of the way. Uh, Braylon Allen for Wisconsin also got injured in this one, uh, believe or not believe it was towards the end of the first half. He was trying to stretch out a touchdown run on a third and goal try and suffered a lower body or a leg injury. Oh, um, no. so time will tell 
I mean, they already lost Mordecai. If they lose Allen, that'll be a tough break as they try to finish out the year and try to become that's, bowl yeah. eligible. That's game over. GG's. Uh, some other storylines from this one. So Ohio State, obviously we know that they've owned us over the last several years. Well, they also own the badges with 10 consecutive wins in their last 10 meetings. Wow. So they, look, for us, we're not the only team that Ohio State owns. Uh, yeah. Obviously we want to break that mold, but Wisconsin's right there with us. Uh, Kyle McCord. Struggled in this one. Three total turnovers. He had two picks, and then he also had a fumble and a fourth and goal opportunity. So he's getting the production he needs. Helps when you have a guy like Marvin Harrison. But when he gets rattled, uh, as like we talked in about the preview last week, where he's prone to mistakes. And for Wisconsin at the QB QB spot, Braden Locke filling in for Mordecai, like we mentioned, who's out for the year, the true freshman. Really struggled on this one. Second career start, 18 of 39, 164 yards. One touchdown, no no interceptions, but with Allen going out of the game and him being forced to throw the ball, just kind of played right into Ohio State's hand on defense, and they weren't really able to get this one any closer in that second half. Ohio State just kind of pulled away and, and shut the door on them. So, yeah, Wisconsin, part of that four-way tie but looking like they're going to be at it pretty soon yeah. and side note i said chad lock like all last week talking about scotland's quarterback and to say brad lock because i didn't want to say Braden. <laughs> we'll move on to the last game the team we're going to face this week maryland northwestern it was a shocker as the northwestern wildcats emerge from the depths of the Big Ten Swamp to beat Maryland 33-27. And Dave, if I said I didn't know anything about football before, I'll reiterate that fact because this Northwestern offense is an absolute anomaly. I said last week they were the worst offense in sports. They go out. Brendan Sullivan throws for 265 yards and two touchdowns. Plus, he ran for 56 more yards. When I bet on him, he threw for eight yards in the first half. This game, in the first half, he was freaking Joe Montana out there. 12 of 14 for 159 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So, I, I just don't know football. Or, I don't know Northwestern football. That's what I should say. A <laughs> um, little bit of a controversy. Maryland was without their co-offensive coordinator, Kevin Sumlin. I believe it's, yes, that Kevin Sumlin. Mm-hmm. Who was arrested in Florida, I believe, during their bye week. It was on October 22nd. So, that kind of lines up. So, he was without the team. And this one. It was a back-and-forth heavyweight fight. Maryland's down 27-33. Three minutes left in the game. They're driving. Talia throws a pick to seal the game. Ends with 274 yards, 74 yards through the air. Three touchdowns. But was sacked six times, including a sack fumble. So two turnovers for Talia. Maryland. Coming in to this Penn State game, struggling. They won their first five. 
and then they were up on Ohio State 17 to nothing before giving up 24 unanswered points. They had the Kevin Sumlin controversy during the bye week distraction, and then they just lost to the worst team in the Big Ten. And now they bring to town the number 11 ranked team in the college football rankings, the Penn State Nittany Lions, who are eight and a half point favorites on DraftKings. I was reading a lot of articles about double-digit favorites, so I probably started that, got that down. The over-under on DraftKings is 51 on the dot, 50 and a half on FanDuel. This is as of Wednesday. Some facts, some historical facts on this game. Penn State 7-0 straight up, 6-2 over their last seven matchups. The under is 7-2 in their last nine matchups. So I didn't want to I asked Dave if I should say this before the podcast, but I'm gonna say it. I don't want to be the jinx cat here. Shout out to meet the parents, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Because it's this game is a family blood feud, as we've discussed for two seasons straight. My family is split straight down the middle, Maryland, Penn State, so I'm putting this out there. Penn State hasn't lost in College Park since 1961. I don't think anyone in my family was born yet. (laughs) So, good luck. Um, Going deeper into this game, Dave, is there anyone? Because Maryland does have a bona fide offense that can put up points. As we saw against... Ohio State, who has a legit defense, and then last week against um, Northwestern. Uh So do you see anyone being a problem for Penn State on their offense, maybe on their defense? Yeah, I think when you look at this team, I know we've talked over the couple of years where this has started to become a little bit of a a rivalry. I know Penn State has had a a lot of success over the years against Maryland especially at College Park, like you mentioned. A lot of rivalry between the players as well, because for both these teams, a lot of these guys come from the same recruiting pipeline. Penn State does very, very well in the DMV area. I have a lot of guys coming up from Maryland, Virginia, and that background. So a lot of these guys in this game played high school ball either with or against each other. So that adds a lot of fuel to the fire. And all-star games, stuff like that, yeah. But if we've seen anything over the last couple of years is that Mike Loxley knows how to recruit and he's brought in a lot of talent into College Park. Hasn't really come to fruition on the field and from a record standpoint, but they always pose a threat with the guys that they have. So a couple of guys that come to mind for me are, I know he was a big spotlight when we did the preview last year against Maryland, but running back Roman Hemby, uh, mm-hmm. he's a big back, six foot two, 202 pounds. Hasn't really had much success on the ground this year. Most of his games, he's getting about 15 carries, 50 yards. So pretty, to use the word again, blah. But he's been uh, a decent threat out of the backfield the last couple of weeks. He's got had six catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown last week against Northwestern. Five catches, 63 yards against the Illini. So there's going to be a lot of attention and focus from this Penn State defense on getting pressure on Talia. 
to kind of rattle him and have him make some errant throws or some quick decisions. Yeah. So with that being said, don't want to lose sight of Hemby in that backfield in the screen game or to allow him to kind of get full steam ahead and down the field. So definitely someone to look out for. His backup too, uh, Littleton is also, you know, if Hemby can't get it going, they have Littleton to put it into, you know, possibly spark the offense, even though he had four carries for seven yards last week against Northwestern. Yeah, Littleton, I believe he's averaging about seven yards a carry, so he doesn't have quite the volume that Hemby gets, but he he can pop if he if he gets it gets that ball in space. Um, and then on the defensive side, a couple guys to look out for. So, Donnell Brown or Donald Brown, uh, junior, six foot three, two hundred fifty four pound uh, defensive lineman, has the ability to apply pressure up the middle, which is a little worrisome, especially when we're talking about our on the edge. offensive line schedule on the edge yeah so he he does not play on the edge yeah yeah no interior yeah he's defensive lineman uh but he has the ability to like i said apply pressure which is worrisome for our interior offensive line who's struggled and needs to continue to kind of fortify themselves but also has the ability to drop any coverage so he's got three sacks on the year at six and a half last year and then this year he's got two picks on the year so kind of that versatile uh, defensive body that has ability to to apply pressure, but also drop back in coverage as necessary, which is an interesting little caveat there that this offense will have to uh, to plan for. Again, and then, like a Madden user, you know, basically, yeah, yeah it's like, like a user control D tackle, yeah. going around and then <laughs> drop back in the yeah, yeah exactly. Then, wow, that would be scary uh, to play against. And then lastly, uh, at defensive back, Tarheeb still. Senior defensive back. He's got three picks on the year. Was a little banged up last week against Northwestern, but looks like he'll he'll be giving it a go this week. Uh, brings a lot of leadership to that secondary. And like I said, he if you put the ball, give him a chance to go after it. He's shown the ability to be able to come down with it. So I have to be mindful of him, especially when you're talking about our receivers who haven't been able to to get much separation. So mm-hmm. we expect him to play a role in trying to shut down either Lambert Smith or continue to shut down or try to shut down the rest of that wide receiver group. Yeah. Speaking of receiver, I'm going to go with my Maryland possible impact player. I said it last week, Manny Diaz defense. It does have one weakness. That's quarterback that can improvise throwing the run because that requires the cornerbacks to run with those wideouts for longer because they're a man-to-man defense. And Maryland loves getting Talia into play-action rollouts and the ball into their playmakers' hands in space. Last week, Indiana had one play over 40 yards coming into that game and racked up two plays over 40 yards in the first half. So my impact player is going to be the guy that averages the most yards per catch on Maryland's team, and that is six foot four, two hundred and twelve pound wideout Caden Prather. So the Terps have a lot of weapons in their passing game. Uh, Jashawn Jones, who operates mostly in the slot, I think Hard- Hardy's been the definition of the faceless defense. So no problem there. Mm-hmm. They have Ty Felton, who's running on the other side, but Prather is that third option if you will it's really whoever has the hot hand or has the mismatch but over maryland's 
three game skid. They did lose to Illinois as well as Northwestern. I forgot about that. He's had 12 catches for 172 yards on 22 targets and a team high two touchdown catches. So again, during that streak, he's totaled nine first downs, most on the team, but he has two fumbles and a drop. So a little Abdul Carter hit over the middle, Kobe King hit over the middle. Might draw the ball loose. Might get him out of his rhythm. Might take him out of the game completely. But, you know, at 6-4-2-12, just an absolute red zone threat that I think Lockdown U has to keep their eyes on. No, I was going to say some familiarity there. Prather was a target that, that Penn State wanted this offseason out of the portal, the transfer from West Virginia. He ended up going to Maryland. And you mentioned the drops. Last week against Northwestern, I think him and Jones both had a couple of key drops where if they were able to haul those in, that very well could have been a win. So definitely some concerns there from Maryland's perspective. But uh, but yeah, definitely some familiarity there where we definitely wanted the, wanted Prather in the blue and white, but he elected to go a uh, little bit further south. So be interesting to see how that transpires this weekend. All right, well, yeah, that adds another layer to the impact player because – yeah, you might have a little chip being like, "All right, I'm gonna mm-hmm. show these guys what's up." But <laughs> let's go to the let's go to the light side. What uh, what's a Penn State matchup you think we can take advantage of this week, Davey? I think for me, uh, it's the it's the D line going against this O line. Uh, Maryland's got one guy to watch out for. Their tackle Delmar Glaze. Uh, he'll probably I believe he's got about 27, 28 career starts. He'll likely be playing on Sundays. He's got that type of talent. But overall, as a unit, Terps O line, there there's some feasting ability there. Uh, they gave up six sacks last week against Northwestern, and last season in this matchup, Penn State was able to get to Talia seven times. Yeah. Beautiful, so, beautiful performance. I love that montage. Yeah. So I know, uh, I know Chop's status still in question, probably won't suit up in this one, but with the depth that they still have, really looking to see them get after Talia and, and get him to the dirt. And then last key for me is really building off that last bomb, like we called it, and how, how awesome that deep shot was to Lambert Smith, but to be able to build off that and stretch the field. Uh, Maryland's pass defense. No, I mentioned Tarib still as one of the impact players, but as a unit, giving up over almost 230 yards per game. Uh, Lambert Smith has really week in and week out been the only downfield threat with 43 total catches on the air. Next closest is Trey Wallace, who's now hurt with 15 catches. And then after that, Cephas with 11. So would love to see really a coming out game or coming out party for Cephas or or Saunders or someone along with Lambert Smith to to allow Aller to continue to build that confidence on that deep ball and really get some more reps at being able to throw it downfield because they'll need to against Michigan. Yeah, I hope this is not a sign of things to come because I'm exactly there. Maryland, mm. the 82nd ranked pass defense in the nation. Over the last three games, that losing streak, 
given up over 263 yards, of course, to Ohio State, but also against Illinois and Northwestern. And I think this has to be, has to be a coming out party for Dante Cephas. Got the start last week, but totaled only 41 snaps to Malik McLean's 61 snaps. And McLean had one target. Explain that to me. Could be there's got to be something going on. It could be his uh, blocking, McLean. You know, either blocking something going on in practice. I mean, for McLean, the fact that he's just disappeared off the face of the earth from that West Virginia game. He got more snaps though, like that. Yeah. So I think Cephas gets the green light this week to flash that speed, some quick screens, drag routes, slants. And just create havoc for that Terp secondary that's really, really been struggling mm-hmm. over the past three weeks. And speaking of struggling over the past three weeks, that's been me and Dave betting the Big Ten. We are not doing well as we head. Are we into week 10 now? It's week 11 with the week zero matchup. Okay, week 11. Week 11 of the Big Ten betting bonanza. It is week number 11. I still think it's week number 10, but I'm going to say week 11 of the Big Ten betting bonanza. As both of us went one and two last week, racking up one bonanza point. We'll go over Dave's bets first. He won on the Michigan State Minnesota under 39.5 by 0.5. I think that's your third. Or no, you lost you lost two by 0.5 and then one, one, two. I don't know. You've had a lot of 0.5. Scares. By the way, I just uh, confirmed it is week ten. You were right. It's week ten. Week ten. Uh, got to change 10. the graphic. Got to end the episode. Change the graphic. Cut. <laughs> Redo. Uh, his second game, Maryland Northwestern under forty and a half, and that went to sixty because again, Northwestern's offense just an anomaly. Yeah. Uh, Purdue money line plus one twelve. They lost straight up to Nebraska. Mm. So on the season, Dave winning record fourteen and thirteen, eighteen bonanza points. Over to my side, which is pretty disgusting. I went for the home run shot. Michigan State money line plus two twenty five. That obviously failed. Um, never doing that again. Maryland minus 13 and a half. I mean, just Northwest. I just need to stay away from Northwestern. That's pretty much what it means. <laughs> and then I had Nebraska first half minus 0.5. They're up 14, nothing and a half. My only win. I am 11 and 16 on the season. With 11 bonanza points. And 
We are going to head into week number 10 as Dave, you're up. So check ball, your first pick, mm-hmm. sir. I'm going to make this real simple. I think this is a bounce back week for the cover Kings. I know exactly. Yeah. That success continues against the Terps in college park. No jinxy cat. Nits minus eight and a half yep. all day. Eight and a half. That's tough. Okay. I'm going to go with, I said it the past two weeks. I think this kid is an absolute dog. And he's going against a team that I just said I would never bet against slash touch again. Michigan State, disgusting. Get out of here. Get Illinois is getting points on the road here. So I'm going to take their plus one and a half. So, or two and a half, I think. So I'm going to take the Illinois money line plus 110. Ooh. Boom. Plus three. Getting back. I'm down seven. I got to get, I got to get some points. There's, it's week 10. We got three left until the Big Ten Championship. I got to get some, some points on the board here. Need some homers here, baby. All right, pick number two. I hear you talking. I hear you're talking about Northwestern's offense. It's an anomaly. They go from the worst to maybe one of the best offenses in the Big Ten West. That might be an exaggeration. But guess who they are playing this week, Luch? The Iowa Hawkeyes. The Iowa Hawkeyes. It's at Wrigley Field. I don't know if you knew that. It is at Wrigley Field. Crazy. And another little fact here. So, Iowa under continues to be juicy. This week, it is the lowest over under in modern betting history. Wow. 29. Cue the air horns. 29 and a half. No way, dude. I don't. 29 and a half? 29 and a half. Four touchdowns. Wow. I refuse to look at this and say, no way it goes under. I'm all, or no way it goes over. No. No way it goes under. I'm all in. It is going to go under because Iowa's offense is just that good. And they just suck their opponent into this underfilled vacuum. And I am all over this under 29 and a half. Let's make history, baby. Let's do it. Really, it's going to be windy, too. As soon as they say it's windy conditions, I'm going to live bet that game so fast. You know it. Over under 10 punts. There's 12. There's going to be 12 total. 12 total punts. I'm going to go 14 total. All right. We'll revisit that one. I'm going to ride with the hot hand, Matt Rule. Guys are buying in. They're on the road. They already take this one? No. Yeah. No. But I, I did say the wrong opponent. Um, Illinois plays Minnesota. Excuse me. Minnesota coming off that win. I think they're due for a little reverse game. Mm-hmm. So backtrack on that. The team I'm talking about now is Nebraska, who's bought in the Matt Rule. They're going to Michigan State, who is a shite show. 0-5 in the Big Ten. 
Nebraska's minus three on the road. Give me that all freaking day against scumbag Sparty. <laughs> all right. Final pick. Mm-hmm. It's a big line here. Primetime matchup. It's in Ann Arbor. A lot of rumor, not rumors, really, allegations and confirmed sign stealing, swirling. But it's only adding a little bit more fuel confirmed. to the Michigan confirmed. team. Confirmed. It's affirmative. Adding a little bit more fuel to this Michigan team has just proven week in and week out that they are an absolute wagon. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't terrified about this matchup next week. I don't think you have a scenario here where they overlook Purdue. Spread is big. It's minus 32 and a half. But I think Michigan rolls in this one primetime at home. And then they're ready for us next week. I mean, I'm putting a note in to see how many times you bet Michigan this season. <laughs> What are you, a Michigan man all of a sudden? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> Michigan minus 32 and a half. 32 and a half, yeah. All right. Jesus, dude. Keep know, taking Michigan minus 33. Just keep doing it. I've changed. You, they have they have one on the couple. Yeah. Um, My last one is going to be, we talked about the injuries for the Wisconsin running back, um, Braden Locke. Finally said that right. Not really that guy. Um, Indiana also just struggling. Oh, and five in the Big Ten. Midwestern cold, probably going to be windy atmosphere. Your classic fall ball game. This over under is forty four and a half. So I have, I have two singles on the board. Yeah. I'm going to take this one. I'm going to take this another single under 44 and a half, Wisco, Indiana. And with that, we thank you once again for following us, supporting us, listening to us talk Penn State football. We love doing it. We love the appreciation and support that we get. We're going to keep doing it again until the wheels fall off. Let's go state this weekend. Huge matchup for me and my family. I'm not sure if I'll still be a part of it after this weekend, but we'll see. Um, thank you guys as always, and we'll see you next week. Get to eight and one, baby. Go line. <laughs> <laughs>